0: I'm heading for some place that ain't in a dream I'm heading where no mortal man's ever been And you may never see my face again With the eyes of a fool and a heart full of fire I'm climbing a mountain that keeps getting high I'm playing a game where no one's supposed to win
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, anyone who's a frequent listener of the podcast knows that I have a mild obsession with the soundtracks of the movies that I grew up on. In fact, we're kind of in the middle of a stretch here of guests that relate to some of those soundtracks. Last week was Tim Capello. This week, I gotta ask, are there any fans of The Heavenly Kid out there? You remember that movie, 1985? Not a great movie, and it wasn't a huge success, but it's totally endearing and sentimental, especially for me, well, the theme song to that movie is called Out on the Edge. I love this song. It is so great. And it is sung by this week's guest, John Fiore. Now, John's story is very similar to a lot of other people we've had on this show. He starts out in the early 80s as the lead singer of an excellent rock band. And once again, they sound like All the other popular bands out there, a little bit of Loverboy, a little bit of Def Leppard, that kind of thing, called Preview. Preview put out one self-titled album in 1983, and it doesn't go anywhere. And if you are a frequent listener, you know that's a big question we ask here. Why is a band not getting big when they sound just as good and very similar to all the bands that are getting big? Well, after that, he went into some soundtrack work, obviously, like Heavenly Kid, But he also became a jingle singer, and he is the voice behind several commercials that you've heard and you grew up on. We play a lot of those here. He did very, very well for himself, as many of these people do, singing jingles for years. Well, in the 90s, he put out a couple of solo albums. They're both killer. They're more kind of melodic, hard rock. Really good stuff. And that's pretty much it. Uh, he still sings when he's invited to. He gets gigs. He sings in nightclubs and jazz clubs and that kind of thing. He is a stalwart entertainer. I'll tell you a little bit more about his life at the end of the podcast. But I really just thought it would be interesting to track down the guy who sings this song that I love from a movie that is very sentimental to me. He called me from his home in L.A. I always kick these
2: things off with pretty much how I was introduced to the person I'm talking to does the word obscure bother you at all does that bother you no. okay no. good so i of course love the song from the heavenly kid and that's right. one of those movies that every time it comes on i still watch it even though it's not even that great of a movie but it's so endearing right. and it's so <laughs> keyed into my you know my childhood and everything every time it's on i watch it
3: i know and, i'm uh, sure I'm sure if it came out today it would be uh, much more successful than it was back in those days. But that's just, Yeah, no kidding. It wasn't
2: <laughs> even that big of a hit back in the day, right?
3: I know. It just it people basically just found it. I mean it it sort of, you know, took a life on its own. It just found yeah. um you know, went to you know, so.
2: yeah. it's one of those movies that pops up on cable, you know, a couple mm-hmm. times a month or so and I'll always record it. Anyway, it's really an endearing movie. So recently <laughs> I was commiserating with a buddy of mine named BJ, who has his own music podcast called Rock and or Roll. And we were bonding mm-hmm. over our mutual love for your song on that soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And he's <laughs> played it on his uh, podcast before. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking about how you would be an ideal person to come on my podcast. So tracked you down and brought you on now i want to talk about your whole career you've done a lot of really interesting things but let's get the heavenly kid out of the way first did you okay. write that song for the movie was it already out there and you were picked how did it all happen
3: okay that that song came about originally through the producer of the soundtrack someone uh, you know god rest his soul uh, george duke um, yep. i don't know if you know who george was but George was a, a very, very popular and successful um, R&B producer, writer, pro, uh, yep. you know, singer. So I was introduced to George pretty much for that movie. I think that was the first thing that came up. I got a call from a, a, a friend of mine. Um, I was in New York City and I was um, I was doing a lot of uh, uh, session work. I was, I was okay. a, a very popular, successful session uh, singer. So a guy named Steve Veroni... Who's a, a successful drummer? who used to play with the Average White Band. I think he's still out okay. and about. I think he plays with uh, Tom uh, Petty. Oh, I think he's okay. been Petty for a long time. But he called me back in the days in the '80s. I, I got a call. He said, "Fiore, it's Ferroni. I go, "Hey, well, what's up?" He goes, "I'm with George Duke right here. He needs someone who sounds, you know, similar to like a Steve Perry here." He puts so he hands the phone to. Uh, he's in California. I'm in New York City. Uh-huh. And uh, I guess he was in the studio. And I don't know if you know, but for, uh, but George Duke produced a lot of records back in the day, like uh, Jeffrey Osborne. Yep. Ar- you know an R and B? Yeah. Actually, really, really good album back in those yep. days. You know, Stay with Me Tonight. And
2: oh, I love Jeffrey fa- Osborne. Fabulous
3: yeah, singer and everything. Yep. I was a big fan. And so I got the call, and I was like so impressed because um, so Steve says you're you know you're great. He played me. So i sang three notes over the phone, he goes, You're good, come on out. So I think I was on you know, we worked it out and I think within some time I was uh, you know, flown out to LA to do this, uh to have the kid recording said it was you know, the people involved on the soundtrack was supposed to I think there was if I'm not mistaken, there was a a, a co write by Stevie Wonder on the album too. I'm not quite, oh, quite really? sure. But, oh, I gotta yeah, go check. I think, okay. I think if you look back, I could be wrong, but I think so. And then um there was some other, you know, some other people on the record yet, uh, that
2: he used. you yeah, Jolene Turner and Howard Hewitt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah Howard Hewitt. Yeah,
3: exactly. So a lot of those people. And uh, so that's, that's basically it. I was out there and uh, got to work with him. I was excited. And uh, so it started a, um, it started, uh, you know, a relationship between he and I. We were almost going to do a record together. I was really excited about George Duke because of who he was and you know, he sure. had a couple of hits. I think he produced another song called Let's Hear It for the Boy for for uh, Oh
2: definitely. Denise yeah. Uh, Williams.
3: Yeah, Denise Williams, exactly. So here yeah, I was you know, and yeah. and, for, and and you know, just thinking in terms of, you know, I came off of a um a, a record in the eighties early on and my career, you know, was like sort of like, Well that record didn't work, i was signed to geffen, you know, not to get into all that, but uh signed a geffen and so that led me into some other things, and and then I got into commercial, uh, you know, session work, yeah. working on albums and rock albums, and then this came up. I said, "Wow, this would be great because I always wanted to have, you know, pop hits. That was, you know, that was my sure. whole, you know, you know, uh, thing. You that know, I never goal. knew I'd get. Yeah. yeah, that was the goal. So, so yeah. here it was another opportunity. I think at the time the management that I was working with, they were like, "Wow, this could be great," but then. You know, their direction for me wasn't so much the R and B way, and that's what it would—it probably would have taken an R and B, which I love because I love to sing that kind of music. I feel like I sing with a lot of soul anyway, so
2: you do for sure. Yeah. So,
3: so it would have been great, but needless to say, that that road, uh, you know, went another way, and uh, we huh. never got to you know do the record together. But he wanted to do an album. He I mean, just uh, wow. You know,
2: yeah. Interesting. But yeah. the
3: song was written by a guy named uh, Larry. I think his last name was. Graham I don't know do you have the the, the,
2: the oh. writers well i'm looking if there's not that's the problem is there's not i i only have the digital copy of it, so i don't you know you don't read the oh. liner notes when you have the digital copy
3: so right, it's, right. Uh, it's
2: hard to know some of you know who played on what and but i think
3: the writer if i'm, if I'm not mistaken was the- uh, he also wrote, oh Sherry.
2: oh sure you know, that's him, oh
0: Sherry, my yeah of course. Love,
2: uh, yeah. So right. I Let's think look
3: it up. Yeah, so that was the writer. So what I was more excited about, you know, also, or equally excited that, wow, here's this writer who's, um, you know, is a hit writer and who's had, you know, major success. So. Of course. Uh, and then, you know, I was living in the city. I was excited. I saw the two-page ad in, I think, the New York Times at the, at the time. You know, it was a big spread on the movie. And it was going to be, you know, we were all excited. But, uh, you know, yeah. unfortunately, it got... Like everything else, it gets panned by the critics. And then, yeah. you know, back then people yeah. were listening to critics rather than, you know, like, going right. on your own. Or-
2: well, but I think the fact that it's lived on shows that it's kind of Oh group, yeah. you know. Yeah, a yeah, generation yeah, kind of. of grew up loving that movie. Uh, I
3: think YouTube, you know, we still have a couple, I think we have
2: several hundred thousand uh, views on it. Was that song ever released as a single? Because I don't remember no. ever hearing it. Okay, so it was just part of the soundtrack, Right. And the soundtrack probably wasn't that big because the movie didn't end up doing that well. Correct. And I think okay. they
3: wanted to. Their intention was. But you know, like like anything else in those days, it had to do with if the movie takes off, then they start right. putting the money into you know it's that kind of thing. sure. Yeah. But um, uh, okay. unfortunately, no. That would have been great if they would have uh, released that as a single because I thought it was yeah. a good song.
2: I just do. Okay. I've always wondered that because I didn't ever remember hearing it.
3: I know
2: it sort of know. lives on anyway, you know, despite exactly. not being a single, it sort of lives on anyway, so one of the things that we talk about on the podcast very sensitively is the money side right. of the business, how people right. pay their bills, you know, so you can be as specific or not if you, as of this as you want, but that movie, like we said, gets played on cable a lot and stuff like that. Do you get a little sure. something every time it plays?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get little things, you know, that trickles in. It's part of the whole process. Everything else, you know, sort of ends up, you know,
2: things yeah. like that,
3: writing, you know, writing royalties, because I did write some music for other artists and stuff like that. So that's all okay. part of, you know, okay. you know little, little things here and there.
2: Yeah, okay. It all adds up to one big thing, but it's just one line, a smaller line item on a whole list of...
3: Exactly. Writers, it's just another, okay. yeah. Because okay. I've, I've written songs for artists and... George
0: Fence I had three co writes on one of his albums. Every day day my joys are like a waterfall. Little things you do like a simple call. And my nights are something like a miracle. Billy girl, you're feeling me too. Had a vision about a ribbon floating in a clear blue sky. The way you found me And wrapped around me Angel, you answered my cry Wandering through the streets Lonely, incomplete Searching through the hills For the comfort and peace Girl, this time there's no mistake You got my heart banging like an away. More than just sensational You are irreplaceable Think I want to
3: that helps, okay. too, and then, uh, you know, some other artists, some other things I was part of, you
2: know. Cool. I don't know. Is there ever, like, fan signings, or th- how how does Heaven, the Heavenly Kid movie, does it ever come up in your life today, other than maybe somebody sees it on TV and texts you instead of them listening to you on TV right now. That's, I don't even know yeah, is there like fan appreciation right.
3: stuff? No, no. No, that's pretty much the extent of it. I mean, you know, it sort of works with some of the other music that I yeah. have that's out on the internet and all that stuff.
2: Okay. But uh, okay. but I
3: do perform it also when I do some live uh, shows. You know, sometimes I have uh, screens and I show uh uh um, you know sort of like a montage. Yeah. Of, I saw the clip uh,
2: yeah. that you posted on Facebook of you at the vibrato, which I don't know what that is, oh, but okay, um, yeah. that was a lot of yeah, fun, yeah. yeah. And then there's a there's a couple others. There's this is great stuff. Anyone who's listening, if you're interested in learning more about John, you should go check these out. <laughs> so the the piece of you at the vibrato, putting doing a show right. basically of singing like swing and jazz standards. It sounds like yeah. First well, that with happened. some of your sort of greatest hits.
3: Right, that happens to be a they call it a a jazz club, but it's not so much you know. I mean, you can do pretty much whatever you want, but for me, the crowd that I can get there because we usually sell out tends to be a little bit you know older or you know okay. more like my age these days. Right, right. <laughs> okay,
1: know, with the yeah. young,
3: but it's it's more about uh, so I try and do a blend of music. I've I've done like I think uh, four jobs, you know, four four gigs there and four Shows and okay. I could work there all the time. I just uh, choose not to do it, you know, to overdo sure. it over there. But I can, sure. I mean, I can work there once a month if I wanted to. Cool. Yeah, okay. they, they, they happen to do really, you know, really well over there. But, you know, I keep changing it all the time to make, to, you know, keep my interest. Sure. So I'll change it from some pop. But sometimes I'll do more of the swing stuff. But, I mean, you know, as you can see, I threw in We Are the Champions, you know, so or yeah. I threw in some yeah. old Early's Rock uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears or. You know stuff like that. So, um, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a fun, so it's a fun gig. And then at least people, rather than be just like uh, you know another singer, at least people uh, know that you know I've had uh, success in commercials or some Definitely. other records, soundtracks. Yeah.
2: You know. Those other clips you've posted, the one that's the montage of all your commercials is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I grew up on almost all of those commercials. And then there's another one of you just sitting in, like on a chair, singing yes. like. A minute and a half of you doing the hooks of all your... That one is fascinating, too. I love that. That was a fast
3: one. So everybody calls me the jingle guy because I'm
4: the guy who sang all the commercials back in the 80s and the 90s. Here we go. The most refreshing way to make the most of every day. But wherever you go and whatever you do, there's something here waiting for me and you. Coke is it the biggest taste you've ever found. Coke is it the one that never lets you down. Coke is it the most refreshing taste around. Coke is it. Coke is it just for the taste of it diet. Coke, we got the juice, we got the juice new slice. Try it and diet, we got the juice new slice. Hold out for the out of the ordinary, hold out for Dr. Pepper. Snickers satisfies you. Chit, 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 Cheerios. The great American road belongs the Buick, drive today Chevy, live today Chevy, Chevy! Ford, built for the way you live, you love it, you drive it! Ford, be all that you can be, in an age on life in the Army. Nothing touches you like legs, nothing moves you like legs. Um, soft and dry will help hide. When you're nervous inside, Pizza Hut, making it great. Nobody knows, Lockdown knows how you like pizza at home. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup.
3: You know what? It's so funny. So a friend of mine, you know, who's active in the business, has some artists. We just sat down one day and he just said, you know, let me just record you just doing some stuff. We'll sit there. And then the, the next thing I knew is he threw it on. Yeah, we had some hits, but I guess he was hoping that maybe it would go viral or something like that. But, uh, you know. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, who knows? It's hard
2: to plan things to go viral. But I think it's fascinating. It's really cool. I like that (laughs) quote. Yeah, they do, without trying. So, okay, so let's go back to the beginning. Now, I discovered the preview album through that guy, BJ, that I mentioned, who were both mutually friends of yours fans of yours and I right. immediately love that as that right. great early eighties rock that still has some synthesizers and a little bit of a new yeah. wave influence in it. That yeah. is just like yeah. the meat and potatoes rock that I grew up on bands like Loverboy right. and what Foreigner were doing around that year. Baby, With that band I don't even know I mean It came out Did it Did it not do very well Did you have singles On the radio Was there a video For MTV No no We had
3: We had I mean To me that album Was was a great album And We had everything Going for us That was just A typical War war story Of Of the record business You know We started out We worked so hard On that You know It was two brothers The Gold Danny and Ernie Gold And myself we were the nucleus, and then we you know we got the bass and, and the uh and the drummer you know after that, but it was the three of us that started and just worked very, very hard. They were the main uh writer the uh, ernie gold uh when okay. I them. and then i um but I was writing also, but on that project, I ended up i think I, I got one song on that record, I think it was called "It's over," which is you know sure,
2: yeah.
0: This moment
3: hard on that we ended up uh we had a plan we ended up getting like uh five labels uh bidding on us and wow. we had it was it was like you know it was an exciting time like this was really going sure to, you
2: know come
3: to and fruition you're young, you know?
2: and you want to be a rock star <laughs> exactly. and here's your big chance right yeah, yeah, did yeah, you guys yeah. all grow up together and kind of gig in a garage no, somewhere no, or how did this happen no
3: no no, no. i met um the brothers threw basically threw an ad in one of the showbiz papers. I think it was like backstage oh. or something like that, you know, picking out the right thing. I was sure um, bouncing around, you know, was a singer. I've done, you know, I was singing in groups or, you know, or just doing, I think I was uh, doing a lot of stuff in the city and just doing different things. And I think one of the inspiration the inspiration that came out of that was there was some showcases in New York City. I mean, I'm bouncing around now as far as how it started, how I started and all that. I'm sort of fast forwarding here a little bit, but I I was doing these showcases in New York City and you get these, you know, you find out how to do it from, from these uh, newspapers, you know, and you audition, you do talent contests and, you know, you win and you see, wow, people, you know, people like me, they're responding to me. So, uh-huh. you keep moving you you keep going you get obsessed you start working here and there doing some some different things but i wasn't really into the original music scene yet what happened was i was doing these showcases and my inspiration came through i was uh, Pat Benatar was showcasing back then as a you know a girl you know before she got a record deal and just singing yep. you know all kinds of music she had red hair and she looked you know different anyway long story short she and I would showcase at a lot of these same places. We'd walk in, they'd say, Oh, John, you can get up and Pat you can get up rather than wait, like, you know, like a lot of the other people, because we were sort of uh, you know, already um, established, you know, through that okay. scene or whatever. Uh-huh. And then one day, you know, I I forget what I was doing, but one day I hear that, you know, the song on the radio and it's like, Wow, Pat Benatar. It's like, what? Uh-huh. And I see the video and she looked totally different and totally, uh-huh. you know, transformed and this and that, and I said Wow, you know, yeah. man, I you know, like I have to get myself, you know, do original music. This is the way, yeah. you know, you, you yeah. got to get a record. Otherwise, what am I going to do? I'm going to look like a an old person still young, you know, performing.
2: You know, just <laughs> going to keep singing in those little clubs. Yeah, you know, you know happen, singing.
3: Right? Yeah, singing all yeah. that swing music and stuff because that's basically. You know, I started singing, you know, music of my era growing up, you know, as a teenager and in band okay. and singing all the pop music, the monkeys and you know, I was born in fifty five, so you gotta figure I started playing guitar at at eleven, so okay. um you know, sixty six and so from the sixties on, the seventies, that was pretty much what I was bred on. So
2: you're in the sure out of, you, you know, seem all over the place. I mean there's we were talking about you singing the standards and stuff and the yeah. jazz stuff at the vibrato but your yeah. solo stuff is hard rock, and yeah. it well, seems to me like you're an entertainer who likes to sing and can be kind of plugged into whatever anyone needs, right? Exactly. You need someone to sing exactly. standards, I'm your man. You need someone to rock, I'm your guy. Right,
3: right. I, basically, I love music. I love,
2: Yeah. Yeah. you know,
3: I, I love songs. I love the, the great songs, you know. Even today, yeah. I mean, I'm dialed into what's playing on the radio today. There's some great stuff out there. Anyway, so anyway, so that's how it all started. And she basically, so that's how I went. And I started, uh, and I eventually found these guys. We, we worked hard. We clicked. They lived in Long Island and I would, you know, drive. They had a studio in their house and I'd go Uh over there and, and spend many, many days and hours and years of just honing our craft and uh, finally starting to get, you know, uh, showcases and management and this and that. We knew some people that knew, you know, and, and we just worked, you know. We st- we yeah. probably did a little bit more of a new wave sound in the beginning. Then we transformed, we found our niche of, uh, you know, 80s rock or whatever, yeah. or that kind of sure. genre, and we ended up getting, um, like I said, we had like four or five offers coming at us, Sony, Chrysler's, wow. Epic. We went with Geffen because Geffen was, you know, the, the supposedly – the guy, everything he touched, yeah. you know. And yeah. uh, he had a new label, and so, and they had signed, like, people like, I don't know, he even signed, like, Elton John and Cher. Uh-huh. And besides the uh, super acts, he had uh, um, uh, Asia. Eagles, and, I uh,
2: think, was, uh, they were, I by think, that, I guess,
3: but. yeah, but I don't know if, he, if they were signed to Geffen. I'm just talking about those days at, uh, yeah. at Geffen Records, So we thought, okay, wow. Yeah. This is the guy to go. This guy, John Kalladna, who was sort of a rock and rabbi, who uh, sure uh, famous
2: name, you know,
3: famous name. Put you know, was responsible for a
2: lot of big acts.
3: Brought us to uh, to the producer, which was Keith Olson,
2: another and, like, uh, guy owned the 80s, rock in the eighties, basically. Right,
3: and in fact, one of the records he did was a Pat Benatar album, which is yep. funny, you know, how it all comes back in a full circle. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Keith has a great interview on like preview you could find it i think if you do some research and you google them and find out and this and that you'll find out some there's some good articles uh, oh and, and good one of okay the, one of, of, of his success and one of the things he regrets and this and that was it's funny it comes up it's about preview he tells his side of what happened
2: you know? really yeah no yeah, way not to go
3: in yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I'll see if yeah. I can find it. I did find a quote. He says John was so amazing. He stepped up to the mic and sang, and basically everyone was blown away. So I thought that was yeah, a really fun. nice compliment to your talent. Obviously, that Keith Olsen would say that. You know.
3: I know, I know, I know. I did see that and, that, and that was really really cool. I, you know, unfortunately, you know, it's hard to perceive what or why, but when the label got the, the, the you know, you know, in the '80s, it was sure. MTV. Yeah. And if and, and if you didn't have a video or if you didn't have you know a, you know that behind you, you were sort of dead in the water to begin with. So yeah. We we were we were you know uh, you know I remember being in in uh, in David Geffen's office and he was saying, "Let Keith Olsen do whatever he wants to you guys. He's going to make you guys stars." So mm. you know I was all for it. You know I know some yeah. of the other kids. The other guys had a little bit of apprehension because on the record, some of the the, the musicians uh, didn't play. Like Keith wanted to use some of his studio guys.
2: Oh, okay. So that huh. might
3: have been the beginning of the problem. You know, you don't really know. Right. But he, you know, yeah. he used the same guys he would use on on his other records. So maybe the sound was a little sterile to them. I
2: don't know, huh. but
3: it wasn't. It wasn't in our hands. It was.
2: Yeah. It was, uh, so there you know, was there was never a single released off that album?
3: No, it never really came out. In fact, they wanted to shelve the record. Oh. At one point, after all that time, they didn't even want to put the record out, and then they decided, I think they decided to do a remix, have this guy David Sarna do a remix on the whole record to try and make it a little bit more heavy or rock. Maybe Uh they thought it sounded a little too, I don't know. You know, I don't know what Yeah. You know, back then they thought, you know, you know music changes. I mean, sure. you know, I don't know when Def Leppard came
2: out. About that after. same time. Yeah, so still, maybe I mean,
3: that sound came out and that was a Mutt Lang uh, production, which was very yeah. big and very large, you know. And sure. maybe, you know, they just didn't feel the same.
2: Yeah, uh, something was changing the, in the air and preview. Isn't yeah. it represents yeah. the old way and not a new way that they I first don't, seen.
3: I don't know. I mean, it's weird,
2: but, it's such yeah. a strong so album. Daily, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Every one of those songs could be a record. hit. Yeah, every one of
3: those songs could have been a hit. It was just, you know, it's the old thing. It's not. It was just the only way how I can look at it. It just wasn't meant to be because I had yeah. to come to grips with that. You know, people don't understand, but if you add up the years that it took us to get to that point. And then to get the deal and then to record the record, you know, some two years later, you're, you're you know, you're at the mercy of what they want to do. And uh, we were looking at, you know, we were looking at major deals, major yeah. publishing deals back then. We were, you know, sitting down talking to, uh, you know, Warner Music and everything. Right. I mean, the, the numbers were being thrown at us. But anyway, in the end, they won't the shelve it and they were... Oh, let's start working towards the next record. So that was another, you know, right, record recorded. So you're talking about... So yeah. I think our managers just, like, sort of, you know, forced them at least to put the record out a little bit see what yeah. happens. So there was yeah. no promotion, very little. We
2: we Man. got the tour a little bit. Yeah. I, I think I read you opened for Foreigner somewhere. Is that right? So what was the touring like, uh, at
3: least? No, no, we never opened up for Foreigner. We opened up for Asia.
2: We did several
3: months with Asia. We opened up for Pat Benatar. There you go, and Pat keeps rolling around. Yeah. (laughs) So we did three months with her. I mean, we opened up for a lot of different acts. You know, back in those days, we did tons of different acts. In fact, Steve Ferrone, the guy who I ended up meeting, you know, that session drummer was in the Average White Band. We actually opened up for them once back in the eighties, and I didn't even know him obviously until later. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah!
2: Wow, that's so not we scary. so we
3: opened up for all kinds of groups. The Tubes, I mean, I remember ah, you know, I love all the different tubes. different things. Yeah. So we got our taste, but the, the big tours were like Asia. Um, uh okay. they, I think we did a couple, uh, you know, dates with uh, you know months with them and and uh, Pat Benatar and things like okay. that. So,
1: cool. But the
3: the the thing was is that when we got off the tour, you know, we were sort of done. We were trying to figure out. Yeah. They're gonna pick up the, the you know, the option on the new record and I think yeah. they decided not to for whatever the reason was.
2: Yeah. So, did so you we, feel like you were just out there just banging your head against the wall? I mean you worked so hard on this album and it's strong and you're on these tours opening for big acts
3: but there's no were, promotion.
2: Actually. I mean, yeah, right. it sounds and like the crowds liked it, it people but people crazy. wouldn't Yeah, they couldn't yeah. go into a record store and buy it though unless they did a lot of because digging well, or something
3: they couldn't get it They the, the record wasn't going to be there the radio shows weren't lined up we were i mean we right. did a couple of you know I, I remember hearing the record on the radio and like um trying to think maybe up, you know upstate somewhere some you know far away place
2: or whatever you know uh-huh
3: trying to cuz i remember i mean it was exciting you know to hear it on the radio and we
2: yeah we which song do you remember which song it was i think it was the the uh,
3: the, the single that was intended was all night
1: Cool. Good
3: one. And um, that was always intended to be the first single, anyway. But I remember, and we did some interviews and stuff, but there was no, you know, you needed uh, to have any kind of legs back then. You had to have a video, and, you know, that was on yeah, TV. You know. Yep, yep. And uh, so it was it was very, very frustrating.
2: You know, very, uh, very
3: frustrating
2: okay. time. How do you deal with that? I mean, well, I, I mean, I think it was... comes up a lot. In this is by right. the transitions, right? The transition right. from one sort of stage of your career to another. You probably exactly. had a lot invested emotionally and literally in this band and oh, this album I taking did. off. What do you do? How do you feel? You know, when you... well,
3: you feel you feel obviously you you know you hurt you you know as bad as you wanted that you know it's something that it just didn't happen then and you just yeah. go back to the you know you go back to the board and. You just, you know, say to yourself that uh, you're optimistic. I- I've always been yeah.
0: optimistic.
3: You know, something else is w- is better. It wasn't meant to be for whatever reason it was. Right. It wasn't meant right. to be, and something, something else is yet to come. And so eventually, not too soon after, I know I had to go back. To, you know, they sent everybody back from California, to, and I had to go back and just do some, you know, uh, overdubs and things like okay. that to finish the record and, you know, and stuff like that. But I went back to New York City, I think, when I had some breaks. And somebody knew, I think my manager at the time, knew someone who wrote, uh, was a big session writer, commercials, jingles. Oh, okay. So I was lucky enough. He set me up one day, and I, you know, right time, right place. And the guy liked my voice. They were looking for, you know, a legit pop rock singer. So I, I started a whole new you know, career there. That started happening happen to me. At least I was working. I was, you know, making, you know, nothing major, but I was making, you know, some money and working and and just feeling good about myself working with some of the, you know, famous musicians that played on all these records back in the 60s, you know, stuff like that, and the 70s, and all these, like, the Steve Gads and the Will Lees and, you know... uh, right, the uh, Neil Jasons, you know all the all the top top guys, you know.
2: Cool. And, What's the and, first ad that you sang, or the first jingle that really you know took okay. off Okay, so basically, I
3: did a year a year of demos with uh, certain companies. One of them was with this guy Joey Levine, who was very very helpful. He had a, he has a company called Crushing Music, and he was a popular voice back in the days. I think he did the Yummy Yummy Yummy. He was the voice of oh. Um, you know, the yummy, yummy, you know, that song, yep, oh, yummy, yep. I
0: got a love
3: in my tummy, sure. Yeah, so, and he had the Alessi brothers working with him. With you
0: all summer and after fall, I'll keep you warm through the winter. i
3: The Brothers were guys. That was another thing. A lot of these guys were people that had, like, you know, were in the music business that had maybe had some records that came out. They maybe uh-huh. they may they, they might not have been very successful, like on their. Uh, as, but at least some of them came out, or they found their way. Probably similar yeah. to my my uh, experience with with the preview stuff, but they might have had a little bit more of uh, you know, as far as the airplay and stuff, and many many more albums. But they ended up in that business. Okay. So uh, one day I got a call about, about a year later and said, "Hey man, it's, you know, I never had a really big commercial on television, a national. I was, you know, doing, you know, demos and trying to get there and stuff like that. But then finally I got the call to do and they said, "All right, you got your first one. It's a a final and it's um it's for Soft and Dry deodorant." <laughs> ah, that one nice.
2: So I remember was, it well. Yeah.
3: That was the 1980. I think it was like 1980 Five, I'm thinking,
2: somewhere around yeah, there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So, Classic. Uh, and it took off yeah. from there. Now, it was I, a totally uh, different
3: voice. It was nothing like the way I you know, sang with the heavy rock or whatever. Uh-huh. It was very... It was like light. It was like, you know, like more like a you want to be a model. let a do this
0: time you. You're feeling so tense, crave frame after frame. Your style is coming through. Soft and dry will help hide when you're nervous inside. You know, it's more of a light headed
3: voice. And, and, uh,
2: I love but it. that was. <laughs>
3: That was the first one And then from there Good. It was like Get me Get me this guy Get me John Fiore. Yeah the old, You became old thing going, John Right yeah. Who's John Fiore? Get me John Fiore. Gonna...
2: Yeah I noticed You're friends With Pepe Castro Do you know Pepe? Yeah
3: Yeah, yeah. Pe- Pepe's name just came up The other day It's funny
2: Really Someone Yeah he's here. been a Someone... guest On this show as well
3: Cool I yeah, interviewed yeah. him Pepe was in one of those Not bands sure. You know that I'm talking sure. about Sure He was in one of those bands i trying to think of the it was... yeah balance
1: That was my introduction
2: to him. I love, Yeah, I oh. loved that band. And then I went back and found the Blues Magoo stuff and all that. But he and I had a conversation, I think it was last fall, around the same stuff. Because he was, like you, a very sought-after, yeah. successful jingle singer for years. And, I mean, right. he made it yeah. sound, and you can confirm, or, you know, you don't have to touch on this if you don't want to, but he made it sound like he made a very nice living singing oh, these. Oh, he Yeah, yeah.
3: Okay, good. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. I Like I said, from from uh, dealing with the record business early on and, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, just to try and eat and, and, you know, be on the road, getting, you know, so little money to open up all these major acts. You know, the idea of that is to pr- promote your record. But if you don't have anything out in stores yeah. and this and that, you know, what are you doing? You're just wasting just your time. You know? yeah. But it was fun, at least, to do that. But then to come back and do these commercials and then... You know, instant gratification, instant sure. money, instant That's residuals, amazing. and it was phenomenal, and it lasted for over 20-plus years. So, That's yeah.
2: incredible. Now, did you ever have a conflict, or was it ever bittersweet at all, that instead of being a recording artist, like maybe you thought you would be, you were more the behind-the-scenes, uh, highly successful, but behind-the-scenes genius right. singer? Or, or was it just or, like success is success, no. and I'll take this no, versus no. the other one?
3: No, you you uh, you, you know, the, like I said, my main love was always wanting to be the pop singer entertainer. You know, you want to be a star. That's part sure. of the makeup. You know, you want to be uh, in, in you know out in front. You know, that's part of it. But you know, at that point, success is success, and you know, you say you say to yourself, well, you know, it's not over yet. Something, yeah. you know, you know, you're going to yeah. keep moving on. And so I always kept trying to you know to write and try and to do more and uh, you know record music and then eventually 1990 well i mean you know i did some other things in the city uh, um i did a something came up there was a show called um uh leader of the pack which was oh, basically right. the, the songs of Ellie Greenwich They were all those big hits from back in the 50s and the 60s you know you do run run and yep. going to the chapel and uh, river deep mountain high and all that so um, she uh, she had this show going on, and someone told me about it and said, you know, you should audition for this. And it was down at the bottom line, the famous bottom line down in New York wow. City. Wow. So I eventually, I was lucky enough to get it. It was like, I think it was between me and, you remember Mark Cohn, who had had some success with... Yeah, Walking with, uh, in Memphis. Yeah, Walking in Memphis. In fact, I think he's still out there doing those songs, which is great. Yep, but, um, he is. So I ended up getting that show, getting one of the lead roles, and that opened up a whole nother um, wow. you know, genre of, uh, it lasted for about four months, you know, sold out standing room only. And I got to work with Paul Schaefer was in it. He played um,
2: oh, killer.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Paul played the, uh, you know, the crazy producer, the wall of sound uh-huh. guy, the guy, the guy who produced. Uh, Phil almost,
2: uh,
3: yeah. Phil Spector. Yeah. Um, you know, Will Lee was in it. The bass sure. player. I mean, the band was just phenomenal. Alan, um, uh, Mark Shannon, you know, who, sure, who went yeah. on to become major uh, writer, yeah. Broadway producer, you know, yep.
0: film scorer, yeah, yeah,
3: everything. He was he was in it. Uh, Darlene Love was part wow. of it. I guess uh, you know Annie Golden, I think, yeah. uh, was in it. Who, who she? I think she's now on Orange Is the New Black. somewhere. she is, yeah, watch. yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so many good people. Ula, Hedrick, which I just recently uh, saw. Darlene, also, we saw them on a cruise recently. They were performing. So, sort we of Wow. So, anyway, what? so that's what, that, that happened, and that was going to go to Broadway, and uh, they ended up getting um, um, this producer to do it, and he wanted to, you know, like a lot of things, change some of the cast, and one of it was me. My role was going to be reduced, I think, to... Um, you know, not one of the orig- not one of the the primary cast members. So I declined to uh, to do it, and because uh, I still had that active ca- uh, career, you know, going on with okay. commercials. Yeah. And uh, the the show opened and closed in two weeks. So
2: oh, that, that one was. Well, I guess you made scene. the right choice.
3: Yeah, I made the right choice with that. You know. Wow. But cool. that was a fun thing, and um, it opened up some other doors. You know, movie things that were coming my way, and. Some other things, but, you know, it was like all speculative. It was like, you know, go out to L.A. and, you know, you'll, you know, it wasn't like we're we're definitely going to put you in a movie. You know, it's like, well, we we can work with you out there. Still fighting. And I said, you know, I mean, what am I, crazy? I mean, basically, I want to be a pop singer, you know, so. Yeah. The you know let me try and you know get one thing right you
2: know but at least yeah. I had the
3: commercials going for me and I was
2: that's great you know doing records living while all that other yeah, stuff yeah. and it's not that yeah, hard then, I mean you're going into a booth and you sing and then you leave and you make good money right. doing it right you're not right, at a desk right. every day right that's great well, then I
3: came to another then I came to another opportunity which um, led to another recording contract with Atlantic Records I don't know if you were aware of that
2: well I know I've heard your solo albums. So, Body Electric, and here's the deal, and this, this yeah, comes up a lot. It to
3: do, right? Body Electric and um, the other one
1: weren't. Today um, till tomorrow or something like yeah, that? Yeah, today
3: till tomorrow. Those things sort of came out Those, I mean, you think about it Those are probably the only records That really came out And those were indie records
2: They're very good I, I And I only, I'll be honest with you I only found the Today Till Tomorrow album About ten minutes before we got on the phone And that's because oh, that's, it's labeled, labeled as that. Fiori Not John Fiori Sometimes you're listed with an H in your name Sometimes you're not For instance, there's a John Fiori And I don't know if this is you Who was an engineer with Loggins and Messina New Riders of the no. Sage, Redbone, no. yeah,
3: that's somebody else.
2: That's okay, a, and know. did you sing yeah, with backup on sh- with Cher and Michael Bolton?
3: Yes, yes, that I did. That you did and, do? And
2: okay. That
3: I did do, and then I have some gold and platinum records, which were nice. Yeah. So.
2: Oh, nice. Okay, cool.
3: Those are nice to get them from yeah. them. In fact, I just I just saw Michael recently, like uh, about two weeks ago. I Saw him here oh, wow. in L.A. Yeah, yeah, which was nice. I just saw him at a restaurant and talking.
2: That's killer. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's hard sometimes to find you know definitive, accurate information on some of the people that I find really interesting because they're more on the fringe. You know, so Body Electric and Today Till Tomorrow, they came out when in the late nineties. Because on Spotify they say Body Electric came out like twenty twelve, which is basically no.
3: What happened was those records. Came, uh, there was a producer in Canada in Toronto that i guess heard my voice through it was like one of these indie labels in in um, i think originally it was a uh swedish label called mtm uh, records
2: okay
3: so after the uh, so during the jingles after the leader of the the next thing that was exciting for me was i'm writing songs you know, getting calls from people saying, you know, you know, they watch sort so of, you know, they watch the Grammys or watch this. and They go, God, man, we, you know, they call me up the next day. We got to do a song together. Your voice is so radio-like, and blah, blah blah blah. You know, but you know, so I'm constantly, you know, trying to write some songs. I I, I write this song, and um, I had always had a good friend of mine that I did meet back in the a leader of the Pack days. He came up to me, and he was a, he's the son of Jerry Lieber Lieber and Stola, you know the oh, famous sure. songwriters uh-huh. so his name is jed Lieber, and Jed and I we put a band together. It's hard to find this stuff though I don't think' because Jed's pretty uh, protective of of his music oh. and stuff like that, and I don't know okay. if it' found its way on you know on YouTube or anything like that, right but it was a group that he he put together I was the you know the singer, and i co-wrote some of the songs with him. And it was with um really fabulous English drummer. Huh. One of these well known studio guys. I think he, uh, Simon Phillips. You know Simon Oh
2: sure. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah I yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I interviewed uh, a friend of his recently for the show.
3: Okay. Yeah. So we went out to so we went out to uh Simon's house. It was basically the three of us and uh uh and we went out to Simon's house in England to record some of the music. We had, you know, his management and all that. So they were going to try and get us a deal, whatever. Uh, we were close to getting a deal. For some reason, I don't know what, why we didn't do the deal. I don't know. It was a little shady or whatever. Anyway, that didn't work out. So anyway, Jed was always a buddy. I'm, you know, I'm I'm in L.A., uh, in, in New York. He's in L.A. doing something. I call him up one day and I say, Jed, I got this, gr- this song. I think it's great. Uh, and he goes, yeah, it's great. So he's on the phone. And he's a, you know, he's a true piano player. I'm not, uh-huh. but I can play, you know, doodle around. And so he said, change some voicings. We, you know, he changed a couple of things here and there uh, for me to help me. And, but anyway, he got, so I gave him credit on, on you know, on half the song, whatever,
2: because okay. he's my bud. And sure, um,
3: I go in, I record the song uh, in New York City with, uh, you know, with a, with a young producer, a friend of mine. And song's great. Sounds really good. We loved it. And uh, I go to uh, to this place in New York City to pick up my car. I think I had like back in those days, like a phone installed or or a oh. you know, music system, a high-end music system. This back in the 80s, sure, uh, late 80s. Uh-huh. probably no probably early 90s i'm sorry okay. Fresh flow, flow. Oh, interesting. Yeah. okay so um i go to pick up my car and the guy who, and i knew the guy who owned the, the place and he goes to me he goes hey so what are you doing he goes you know i know you work with willie and all these guys blah, blah, blah. i go well you I know mean, i'm recording music he goes he goes you got anything i can hear i go yeah so i'm playing it for him and he goes you know who's coming in to get his car is uh um one of the uh the atlantic records uh reps uh a guy named Jason Flom back then. Sure. Oh gosh, another so, famous name. Wow. Yeah, Jason. <laughs> another another good one. So Jason Flom, uh, you know, back then wasn't as big as you know now. He's huge, but right. uh, he was under he was under um, Doug Morris then, and he was under I think uh, there was like a whole thing going on with Atlantic. It was uh, uh, Danny Goldberg was coming in for a little while too. I, it was you yeah. know a little. A little strange. Anyway, long story short, he walks in, he hears the song, and he goes, "Wow, what's that?" And uh, my friend says, "That's him, John Fiore, meet Jason Plum." He goes, "Sounds like a hit." I go, "Yeah, I know it is." He goes, "Can I take the song?" I go, "No." He goes, "Would you <laughs> would you come in for a meeting next week?" I go, "Sure." So uh, that led to uh, several months later, it led to a recording deal with Atlantic and Jason Plum. So
0: wow. that was my solo record. The world, as it turns, gives us some memories. Tales that we've torn, leaves us with energy.
3: He says, you're just what I'm looking for. I'm looking for another, you know, Garth. At that point, I'm like, uh, I think probably 96. I'm in my... My thirties, 90s, 90...
0: okay.
3: yeah, 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 yeah. So huh. mid to late, thir- yeah, mid to late thirties. So he says I'm looking for you know like a, uh, uh, a Michael Bolton, another uh, you know Garth Brooks, yeah. somebody you know gen- you know January. Gen- so and you know that means adult like. So uh, long sure. story short, we eventually scratched his head and eventually he signed me. And uh, we worked. We worked. Here we go again, round uh, two. You know, <laughs> so we worked. I'm, I'm flying yeah. back and forth, and by then, you know, I've had some pretty good success with the jingles. So, right. you know, um, I'm uh, as far as financially, I'm I'm pretty safe. So I could take some time off to, you know, uh, fly back and forth to uh, to L.A. and uh, you know, record because he wanted me to write with these people. Is you know, try and get things going and, you know, try and, you know, get to this point. Because here it was, I only had a couple of songs uh, written at the point. And um, so we had to basically write a record, you know, or get songs. Yeah, sure. So we st- started the whole procedure. You know, I had another good song that I wrote called, Did You Ever Walk Away From Someone Crying? and Stuff like that.
0: I used to try to talk to you and I spoke from my heart But you misread the words I
4: said Right from the start
0: I never really knew How much you were not like me But now I see Painfully It wasn't meant to be when Look back on what we had All our good
4: times Make me sad Did you Yesterday is gone today you used
3: to be the one friend yep. and and the the one that got me the atlantic deal was the, um was uh, there will never be another you that was the song yep. So those two are, are on youtube
0: i see i
2: And I think they're on Spotify too. There's a
0: um, Yeah, yeah.
2: There's like a little E P or something. It's three songs, those two. And then it's over is tacked on at the end from the preview album. Right,
3: yeah, exactly. Well that's another, you know, story I got. I I eventually found someone to get this music out because what's the point of just letting it lie around and collect dust. Of course. We tried to shop a deal, someone heard some of the stuff and said wow this stuff is great you know i've worked yeah. with another guy named joshua thompson who became a really good buddy of mine who's um, okay. still out there doing his thing he he he's an r&b producer in, in new jersey yeah. he did um stuff like i want to be all the things to you a man uh won't oh. do which became a big uh big record for this guy joe r&b singer yep yep and uh he he uh, did so much uh Anyway, so he and I did a bunch of demos and stuff like that, maybe trying to get those songs on my Atlantic record. But the direction that they wanted me to go wasn't that R&B thing again. There it was, that R&B thing still trying to come around and get me, and uh, they just didn't see it. They saw it like how I was originally signed with that one song. Long story short, the record never came out again. That one really hurt because that one was my solo, and that was like sort of, you know, here I am in my late 30s, so this is pretty much, you know, you know, this is another shot that happened, you know, it happened. Right, right. And uh, so, um, yeah, almost there again, but, uh, you know, so that one didn't happen. So then when that fell through, we, we, some other people heard music, a couple of lawyers wanted to reshop it, maybe get me a deal in Europe somewhere. You know, we had some offers, say, from like, a, you know, uh, an Italian label or, or okay. this or that and this and that. We, we ended up, you know, never really doing that. And then eventually, this um, indie label in Sweden came to me probably in the late 90s, right? So soon uh-huh. after that. And approached me and said, you know, there's this guy uh, in Toronto that wants to produce a record with, you, you know, wants to produce you and, and a record with you and... Yeah. uh call it uh, Fiore, you know, you, you, huh. or, you know, let's, or, or, or John, yeah. Fiori, you know, okay. but we figured, you know, let's make it a band idea because, you know, maybe the band thing would be, would be a little bit better for Europe, you know?
1: Yeah. So,
0: okay. So we
3: use so we use some. So if you look at the t- today till tomorrow is basically four guys on there. If
2: you, if you oh, know. interesting. See, that was yeah. one that I couldn't find. I just yeah. found it on YouTube. But up to that point, no, I couldn't find it because I was searching by your full name. So yeah. okay. So no, no, now that it's on YouTube, I'm gonna go back and listen to that.
3: Then we ended up doing uh, a second record, which was. The body electric, and then we okay. just name that one. Uh, you know, the, the Fiore. John Fiore. I yeah. love
2: that one. I've been listening yeah. to that one nonstop. But that, that's great. Uh-huh. And when did and that, that one was
3: out? more. That one one was more where I co-wrote um, all those songs with him. Oh, good. The first one, today till tomorrow, was basically his. He had the thing ready to go. He just wanted, you know, he produced it and he wanted to know if I wanted to do it the way it was with with me. And I said, sure, you know, why not? I was dying to get a record out. That was my point. I was dying to get music out there. I wanted people to hear, you know, to hear me. At least get a record out. So before I die. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how
2: it came out. Well, I'm doing my part here as best I can. I want people to hear (laughs) this music. It's good. I love it. So how do you make your living now? Is it as a, like, club singer what have you been doing because i was listening just to a podcast yesterday i think called between between the liner notes about how the jingle business is just not what it once was it was kind oh, of a height yeah, no, in the 80s that, so i'm wondering how you how do you pay your bills you know
3: okay well luckily i found you know i was single my whole life and i got married uh you know luck the way things worked out for me you know uh where you know I went for everything early on
0: uh-huh. and
3: uh you know and I I managed to for whatever reason I didn't meet the the woman of my dreams or you know and continue so it didn't happen till later I'm like say 13 years ago I met the woman uh-huh. of my dreams I was pretty much you know successful I did do very well with the commercials
0: uh-huh. and
3: uh, all the other things the records and the writing uh, that I that I did that I uh, managed to do some good investing. And so um, I had a, you know, financially, I had a really good life finally when things started taking off, you know, in the 80s, the 80s and the 90s. And, you know, I I have to knock on wood as far as that. So maybe that path was, was set up for me. Uh, you know, to have that, and then later on in life it's to reap the, the benefits of all yeah. that. I mean, I had some real estate in New York City that did well. I had oh, good. Uh, Some other different investments and things like that. So I, you know, I was very fortunate, that I met a yeah. a, a woman also who was who was very successful. And my wife and she had some kids. Of, uh, one was five then. Now she's uh she's gonna she's nineteen now. She's going to be wow. 20 uh, in a couple of months. Oh she just finished her first year in college. So I I helped raise her. I left yeah. New York City and moved down to Florida and um was living in Florida for uh uh basically up until 5 years ago. So Oh, okay. Um, and raised her and you know, we just had a wonderful life. My woman is uh, just you know, right. just phenomenal and she was successful in her, her own right also. So between us, good. Okay. We uh, we, en- we ended up doing pretty good, and I was able to still, you know, do do my music, but, um, you know, I, I basically, when I was raising the young one, I put, I sort of put my music on, on the back burners, you know, okay. stuff like that. I, uh-huh. okay. It was like, you know, now's the time to, to enjoy the other part of life. For to, sure, to see, for sure. To raise kids and, uh, she, uh, you know. And really uh, put put my energies into a relationship rather than sure. a lot of my relationships wouldn't last because they really weren't put first. They were they were second. Right. You know, my music right. was
2: first. You know, right. So. Okay. Because yeah, mm-hmm. now that we're we're Facebook friends, and I so I see you know I can follow your status and your pictures. You're not that overly active on there, but it looks like a really nice life. I mean, it looks like a yeah. you know, it looks like the life life of a very successful person. And so me not knowing much <laughs> else about you besides your right. music career, I'm thinking right. were the jingles that good has it sounds like investments. You made some really yeah. smart investments and you yeah. continue to live very nicely off those and you do music when you can with, and you yeah.
3: yeah. And you do it, that. I mean, okay. It, it's yeah, it started with the jingle money and then the jingle money parlayed into real estate and good. Good. good accountants and stuff that's like that. That's how you do it. And,
2: that is exactly yeah. how you do it. That's exactly yeah. why I started this thing, was because I think stuff like that is really interesting. You know, we watch Heavenly Kid and we hear this song that we love, and then we think, well, that guy must be a rock star or something. But in yeah. reality, he owns real estate, and that's how he <laughs> makes his money.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. And he
2: performs at yeah. the vibrato once in a while and does really well there, too. It's just it's this three-dimensional picture of somebody right. that I don't think gets pulled off enough. So, right well
3: it's, it would be very hard to make a living you know doing that i would have to oh, dedicate yeah. my whole life to yep. just you know finding finding the outlet for it it's there yep. don't get me wrong but i'd have to yeah. be i'd have to do so much live work and uh there was a time that uh all between these these different records and doing commercials and stuff like that when the commercials started coming down, you know, when when they were getting, you know, starting to get less and less, I was getting a lot of different jobs uh, offered to me where I I could do all these conventions and stuff. Oh, interesting, okay. So I was performing and doing doing very well doing that and flying all over the world, performing at at different, uh, uh, you know, conventions, opening up for different people. They'd hire me to do one song, that was wow. a rock song, but the uh-huh. lyric was changed, put to a drug company or this or uh-huh. that or, right. you know, in Vegas or, you know, all these big, big venues. And yeah. there could be 10,000 people out there, you know. Crazy, um, crazy. So I was able to do, to to you know, to do that for as long as I could. I would work. I had a band in New York City that a company uh, put together for me. And since I had that experience of doing you know, singing almost anything. Um, I'd do all these big events, weddings. I'd do uh, big okay. high end parties, you know, in, in New York City at the Plaza, the Waldorf. New Year's Eve, I'd be at the Waldorf and Frankie Valley would open up for me or something. Like oh, that, wow. You know. Wow. So, uh, Great. Yeah, so I had, uh, I, I'm sorry, I would open up, correction, I would open up. I was going to say, Allen. Frankie Valley yeah, opened I had, for yeah. you? Goodness. Yeah, exactly. I, I, Man, you, I had you bigger than I thought. Yeah no no I had the full orchestra for you know for the night to do my two shows and he would do the main show exactly that's what okay. that was, but I had thirty six pieces compared to sure when I was eight. <laughs> sure okay wow but, uh, anyway yeah so but, but that's back you know way back in the days and then um, eventually just kept doing it and doing it until it was yeah. like I said till I met my my uh, wife and then I just said you know what it's time to really it's put been my grinding long in.
2: enough yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah.
3: luckily, I still love it. I miss it, but, um, you know, I'm not going sure. to do something that I don't want to do.
2: Well, John, this was so much fun. I've been curious about you for 30 years, and it's really oh, fascinating right. to get to know you and your story, and I, I'm so glad you're doing well. You deserve it. You deserve it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You
3: Thank, bet. You, thank you. Well, it's not you over bet. yet. We hope that we still have a hit song or a few... Still oh, left man. inside me, and I'm um, still writing. would doing it here. Yeah. Good.
2: That would be great. I wish it's there was a, more of an outlet. I have this idea. I'm just going to share this little. You know, I feel like, you know how there's Branson, Missouri, for all the sure. older kind of country acts? I feel like there sure. needs to be another place for, like, the older rock acts. And I maybe agree. they don't have to live there, but maybe, maybe they flew, you know, it was – it would be like a festival for like a month and they take over some smaller town and there's, you know, 12 theaters and somebody comes in and plays every hour or two for, you know what I mean? Just like a a destination for these people that you love, but there's not enough, they can't sustain, you know, a tour, but you could come to them and hear your favorite songs and,
1: you know, I feel like there needs to be something. No, it's true. It's true. Well, there's a bunch of that stuff in Europe. There you have it, John Fiore. Now, I gotta add a little bit of color to this that I think is really fascinating. I I hope he wouldn't mind me doing this. So did you notice there at the end, he had mentioned that he had done really well for himself in investments, and he got married later in life, and that his wife had also done really well, and so they were living comfortably. I wanted to ask some follow-up questions on who she was and what the situation was, but I felt like that was being a little too nosy, so I didn't do it. Well, I Googled it recently. His wife is named Moira Fiore, and she, for years, has been a very prominent Miami socialite. In fact, her daughter is Brooke Mueller, who you may remember was married to Charlie Sheen for a couple of years. I think this was the post-Denise Richards, pre tiger Blood era Charlie Sheen. They had a couple of kids. So consider this, John Fiore, who you just listened to, was at one point Charlie Sheen's father-in-law and is still, to this day, grandfather to two of Charlie Sheen's kids. That is crazy! In fact, I found this really funny story. I guess these guys are friends with the Trumps and they had gone to lunch one day at a country club of theirs or something and Donald had highly kind of advised that Brooke shouldn't marry Charlie even though he liked both of them personally but didn't think it was a good idea and they did it anyway. Crazy, that's who we just heard from. Okay, next week, if all things go according to plan, we are going to have an 80s movie soundtrack legend on the podcast next week. Fingers crossed, everything goes according to plan. Next week, come back, it's a legend. Okay, here's what you do. If this is your first time listening to us, go on iTunes and, and subscribe to the podcast. Write us a review. We put out a new episode every Tuesday. And reviews will help other people find the podcast. If you like these stories of sort of the obscure or forgotten about or lesser known artists out there that are just as good, those are the stories we try to tell. Only the last 50 episodes show up in iTunes. So if you wanna to go to our webpage at thehustle.podbean.com, all of the episodes are on there. You can find us on Twitter, at The Hustle Pod. You can find us on Facebook. You can like our page. And if you can think of anyone that you would like me to track down and have on this show, just send me a message on Facebook or you can email me at the at gmail.com. Also, as always, huge thanks to Yan the man Markiewicz for all the production work. Alright, guys, come back next week for a legend. We'll talk to you later. Good for nothing.
0: You for nothing.